0: When I say resident historian, I mean his and her story and our story and with the story of our struggle, Glenn. Good morning, Glenn.
1: G'day, Susanna, and of course, glad listeners. Once again, we're here at 3CR, your only radio left. Look, something you notice in other media outlets, especially the print media, is just the, I suppose, the paucity or the, the poor quality of journalism you get in the corporate media. I mean, the
0: paucity. Apart- well, yes. The lack thereof, of course, yes. Well,
1: apart from, say, Royce Miller, what journalists <laughs> do you see in the corporate media that have any sort of neos? And, um,. Yeah, I man, I was thinking back, hmm, who have been some of the great journalists in Australian history? And I found some stuff by Rowan Cale on Rupert Lockwood. I thought, oh, Rupert Lockwood. He was a dang good journal a long time ago. For listeners who don't know who Rupert Lockwood was, he was a, a very active communist and uh, was uh, involved writing for the Salmon Union. Uh, was involved in the Communist Royal Commission in the early 1950s. But he started a life in the uh, little town called Natamook in the Wimmera region in the Western of Victoria. Sorry, Glenn, I have to stop
0: you there. Mm-hmm. Where?
1: Natamook, N A T I M U K, in the Wimmera.
0: That's right. And it's in the Wimmera, which is wheat country. Oh, I
1: remember. Rainbow, Tempe War yellow Speed. Uh, towards Oyen way, but I did not say Horseshoe and sort Oyen. Of,
0: sort of northwest.
1: Yeah, where it's dry and there's not much happening out there. And it's uh, past Imbula.
0: Past Imbula. Yeah, okay. fairway
1: past. And that's where Mister Menzies came from. That area. He came from Jabarit. Yes. He was a horrible man, wasn't he? He was a horrible, horrible man. You never know good thing about him. Yes, his dad. Correct. Anyway, I didn't mean that. This thing. Yes, I did, <laughs> he did mean that. You did, my dear. Anyway, Rupert Ernest Lockwood was born 10th of March 1938 in Natamook. And his dad had the local newspaper. Natamook. Yes, it was a local was called the West Wimmera Mail and it covered local events in the region and it wasn't the most progressive paper they, they, uh, they mourned the death of Queen Victoria, they supported World War I, as you would in rural communities in those days. I'm sorry, what, what, what year did you say? This is during World War I. He was born back in 1908
0: Oh, of course. And of his course.
1: father was the editor of the West Wimmera Mail I, say, I had
0: some idea that 1938 was stuck in my mind I thought if they're no. mourning Queen Victoria out in the West Wimmera, it took a long time for the news to reach them, but I'm not surprised.
1: Well, if you've read Defending the National Tuck Shop by Michael Cathcart, you'd see about strong links about aerial farm, rot-wing behaviour is not uncommon.
0: Well, it's a desolate bloody
1: place, it isn't is. it? It its And uh, Defending the National Tuck Shop and Michael Cathcart's book on that period feeding, is another story.
0: Feeding the National touch.
1: Defending the National Defending Tuck Shop. Defending the National Tuck Shop. Written by touch. Michael Cathcart in the early 90s. Anyway, back in the time of World War I, Rupert Lockwood's father was the editor, the producer of a local paper. And his first wife died, mother of Rupert Lockwood, and the father he married. And he married a local member of the German Australian Lutheran community, Ida Dorothea Klaus.
0: Well, I'm sure that the German-Australian-Lutheran community, was that what it was? Well, they were big across Western Victoria. They would have been. um, And South Australia. Uh, Yes, of course, down in the valley of South Australia, the uh, Barossa.
1: In in that region of Australia, a lot of towns had German names. And when the war started, all those names were renamed, Anglicised names. But anyway, Rupert Lockwood's father remarried and he married a local German lady. Well... This caused issues in the local An community. An Australian lady, oh, but she had a German name, so she was German in their She moments. was of
0: German background, whereas Lockwood was what, what, so English, like, middle English, with a yeah. name like Lockwood. I have, a, I have a doctor called Lockwood.
1: But Klaus was a German Australian name, and uh, her parents were Deutsch, obviously. And um, the fact that Rupert Lockwood's father had remarried a local member of the Lutheran community, mm, so fingers were pointed. Even though he was a right winger, there were still big question marks. My dear,
0: War. That's right. The anti-German. Um, Dreadful anti-German the stuff.
1: There was, and the harassment that his father and stepmother endured marked his mind. Like, mm, okay, this is Australia, the land of the free and the brave and the, the queen of England. We're, there's some issues here. So Lockwood got some early um, knowledge of politics, and he used this later in life. Anyway, he, um, he spent a long time working for his father as a kid. The father used the kids who were typesetting and running messages and like a family newspaper where the father owned and produced, but the kids assisted him in preparing the paper. So Lockwood, from a very early age, had his finger in the uh, journalistic pie. Near the presses. Yeah. The roll of the presses are back in the old days. Oh, look, I can remember
0: the smell of the typesetting ink. Mm.
1: I remember the uh, old Gestetners in the 80s.
0: Oh, the Gestetners. I, I can, remember those. Every good radical could work a Gestetner. no. no I, I, I used to put together a newspaper called the Fitzroy Voice. Yes, some of that. Well, you do remember that, but I, I, I used to basically write the articles, including the letters to the editor, and answer them, and I used to get a lot of other really important things that translated into different languages for the community, mm-hmm. mainly Spanish and Arabic. That was very important, those, yes. the two most spoken languages. They didn't get any you know, written stuff in. I used to drum up the advertising for it, and I would do the... Layout to the, like, someone else would do the artistic thing, but I would sit there and put the blocks in. But I love the smell of it. Oh, that was, I. Uh, that was where I met a young, another young typesetting chap called Florence Ron. Who, for the sake of
1: goodness, is Florence Ron when he's not at home?
0: Well, I'm so sorry, Glenn. I thought you <laughs> would have known for, for Florence Ron, you being a 3CR person. No, I might know 3KZ, sure, but, sure, but I can't recognize sure, him. I'm sure that other people who know 3CR will. No, Florence Ron, one of our greatest technicians and trainers that we've had here. Good morning, Florence. As I said, Florence that. working. Oh, I think he's working like everyone is now at the ABC. Oh, with, yes, I, I think actually
1: he's working for John Fain. I wouldn't recommend that. Anyway, back to Mr. Lockwood. So he um he left Mathermook State School, then the uh, Mechanics Institute. I went to Wesley College in Melbourne, and he was a contemporary of um Prime Minister Harold Holt. Oh. Oh, you do at Wesley College. It's a rich boys' school. Come now, come now. Some of our three CR presenters uh, went to Wesley College. I have friends of mine there, too, but they're from wealthy families. They're not you and I, my dear. They're not your working-class western and northern suburbs. Well, we'll
0: see. Maybe they had scholarships.
1: And Lockwood had a, had a religious dimension in his upbringing. I mean, a, a Lutheran stepmother and an Anglican father. And it was, it was, he said there was a moral socialism in the house mm. which guided him. So plus the, the anti-German atmosphere, he can of his stepmother, the small-town jingoism, the moral socialism. It started shaping Lockwood's understanding of politics. And he, he returned afterwards back to Natamook. And he wrote for his father. He wrote about... Winners at the local show for the best Flemingtons, the best flowers, the Clydesdale mares, the picnic races, or how have they stopped the Bolting Bread course in Main Street, Natamook? The, 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 bol- the bolting bread cart horse in Main Street nadamook
0: oh well that was a really big thing they they're lethal they
1: are you know, they can, could they can they, be horses are fatal creatures aren't you they you know, can kill people they have over the years by bolting
0: hmm. this well yes yes I know I my, my, my father was almost killed by a bolting horse in Burke Street of all places. they happened and killed the man next to him
1: they happened anyway he spent time at nadamook and then in 1930 he moved down to right for the Melbourne Herald. Now, Don Watson, who was an old lecturer of mine, yes, he know, described Don. the Melbourne Herald in 19, the 1930 Melbourne Herald as a a hodgepodge of almost incredible banality, an intelligent, often liberal social and political <laughs> comment.
0: Sorry, a hodgepodge of, of of banality
1: of of incredible banality,
0: incredible. Yeah. A hodgepodge of incredible banal- banality. Banal- yeah,
1: banality, well, yeah.
0: Well, you could say that's the Herald's son now. It is. A hodgepodge of incredible banality. But what
1: Don's saying was different was I had an incredibly good team of journalists. He said people like... That they were the best of a generation. Brian Fitzpatrick, John Fisher, Clive Turnbull, Alan Moorhead, Douglas Wilkie. Some of the best journo's of contemporary at that time. And um, by Don was saying, by 1939, there was a very very strong CPA branch in the her- in the Herald yeah, Office. Yes, I think there
0: was, wasn't there? Mm.
1: So here's here's Mr. Murdoch Senior's newspaper with its right-wing drivel and a CPA branch its well, The Communist office.
0: Party of Australia. Correct. Well, of course, at that time during the 1930s, anyone with with half a brain, well, anyone with any bit of a brain, anyone who could mm. think was a member of yep. the, the, the Communist Party of Australia, or at least what were called fellow travellers, because they could all yes. see they could all see what was happening. Well, we had the rise the of world. fascism in Europe. It was coming? They could see, it, and the only answer to that was, you know, it was communism. Correct, and that's why they were all all every well intellectual. If every smart Guido, person.
1: Guido, people like that.
0: Everyone at that time hmm. was in the Communist Party. If they had any bloody brains, they were in it.
1: Anyway, Lockwood went to the Murdoch Herald. Times have changed, listener. Lockwood went to the Murdoch Herald, and he rose quite quickly through the ranks. He was a very skilled journalist, and um, he became good friends of John Fisher. Now, John Fisher, which I didn't know, his dad was Labor PM Andrew Fisher mm-hmm. and Douglas Wilkie. They became quite good friends of those two. That wasn't his dad, Douglas and Wilkie They no, became his dad. friends of John Fisher and, and Douglas Wilkie. <laughs> John,
0: John Fisher's Fischer's dad but. was
1: Andrew Fisher, yes. who, who did say in 1914 that we will back England to the last shilling and the last man. So um, he might have been a Labour PM, but. And but. Anyway. But um, what happened here, we had Lockwood, Fisher, Wilkie, good friends. They became very active in um, the campaigns to support the Spanish Civil War, to oppose fascism. And we saw the 1934 tour of Egon Kish, the mm. wonderful Czechoslovakian journalist, who was refused entry in Melbourne. He was made to a civil language test. Uh, what Hang language on, was just, it? Just, just a second mm. here. Okay, Hang in, on, my dear. Just
0: for those listeners who may not know Egon yeah. Kish. Now, he was a man from... He was from Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. And he and he
1: was he was a journalist, a journalist, and he known was known for he was coming to Australia on a speaking tour to warn about the evils and dangers of fascism in Europe.
0: It was an anti-fascist angle, and he could see which way, what, which way the what do I mean, which, which
1: way the wind was blowing, which
0: way the wind was blowing, and, and he and he was going around talking mm. about the dangers of fascism. And he came to Australia, yeah. this journalist, this respected German journalist, to come here to talk about. Mm fascism and what, what it meant to us, and yeah, then what dangers.
1: happened. Well, he'd been invited to come to speak to the Second, anti, no, second National Anti-War Congress. Mm. And in those days, Australia, surprisingly, was very racist and had like a language test. For those who didn't come from English-speaking countries, to get access, you must undergo a language test. And they tested the Czechoslovakian men in Scottish Gaelic. And surprise, surprise. He had a dictation test. In Scottish Gaelic. In Scottish Gaelic. Surprise, surprise, he failed it. Well, I
0: don't know who'd pass
1: (laughs) that. He couldn't. So what did Kish decide he would do? He jumped boat in Melbourne and broke his leg.
0: It's a big drop from the ship. (laughs) It was a big drop. Mm.
1: But he created a huge impression on the poet Lockwood and others. Young Fisher was so impressed by Kish, he saw for Europe in 1935. And Lockwood thought, mm, I'm impressed by Kish too. I'm going to see the world myself. What is happening in Europe? What is this fascism Erasmus? And in March thirty five, Lockwood headed off to Singapore. He um he headed off from Singapore and he spent time he in Europe. He sailed
0: to Singapore. Yeah, yeah it would. In he spent time days. in Europe
1: also. And interestingly he had um, in, in he had two recommendations in his pockets, you know. One was a recommendation from the Prime Minister Lyons. The other was from the CPA. So both the Australian Communist Party and the Prime Minister were recommending him for people he was meeting when he was travelling. Not bad. No. And he was a left liberal. He wasn't a communist. He was a left liberal. And he spent time in Singapore, spent time in... Uh, East Indies, what was called Siam in those days, Fringe Out of China, which is Vietnam, and Japan. And he saw what was happening in Japan, the rise of militarism, the invasion of China. He saw the storm clouds warning. And he thought, mm, I don't like this at all here. He saw the horrors of a Kempeitai, the Japanese Secret Service. Bab of Japanese, Gestapo, the Kempy Thai.
0: Hang on, yes, hang on. Yeah. You're It's going a little bit too fast, Vic. Really, I'm trying yeah. to uh, get all these. You have to remember, mm-hmm. you have to remember that, that I'm not 18, and when I you was. throw all the, I was once yes, but when you throw me all these facts, I have to have a couple of seconds to assimilate them. So we visited Singapore. What is uh, what was called Siam that time? time.
1: French Indochina.
0: French French Indochina, whatever. Vietnam. I think it's still called French Indochina, isn't it? And it's,
1: Netherlands East Indies.
0: Well, I've got a map of French Indochina, and I'm sure it's got Dutch East Indies mm. on it. And um, Japan. And Japan. And in Japan, he saw... He
1: saw the, the rise of Japanese militarism. He saw the role of the Kempe Tai, who was they were the Japanese Gestapo. They killed and tortured political opponents. And at the really? yes, same time, Japan was invading China. And Lockwood thought, hang on, look, there's some issues here. Really? In Japan? Oh, you I God, didn't yes. realise
0: they had this. Oh, but well, they're, Kenpita, they're, yeah, they're very, yes. well, oh, look, I don't care what anyone says, listener. Japanese people have a totally different background of culture than I have, and I really cannot understand them. I, I really can't. Their beautiful art and their creativity, and then they walk out and cut off someone's head.
1: He travelled through Siberia to prevent Socialist Soviet Union, went to London, went to Spain. And uh, in this is during the Spanish Civil War, we're talking mm. 1937, it's the war been going scary. for a year. And the Herald readers had three sources of information from Spain Hemingway, Arthur Kursler, and Lockwood. So Murdoch's paper had those. Well, I'd three. Read
0: Lockwood, wouldn't you? Well, I'd
1: read Hemingway too. Would you? Oh, God, you those days. Hemingway was a progressive thinker in those days. Wow. We're talking the Spanish Civil War.
0: I suppose even a foul man can be a progressive thinker. Absolutely. It's just on, bloody, on, 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 on principle. I mm. can't read anything of Hemingway. Well,
1: you might have 80 years ago, my dear. Maybe
0: he eighty have, years he ago. You wouldn't have
1: realized what he was like in, in due time.
0: Possibly, yes.
1: But anyway, L- Lockwood was a left liberal, but his experience in Spain turned him to the left. He saw the horrors of a Nazi bombing of civilian targets. He saw the anti-fascism. Oh. And he was inspired mostly by the, the PCE, the Partido Comunista Espanola. The Spanish communist party was a great influence to Lockwood. He spent time in England and um, he, he just travelled around Asia, Europe and he made such a prominent influence. Murdoch decided to recombine him to Australia and Murdoch brought him back to write for the, uh, the Herald. Once back in Australia, as well as being a journalist, he became involved in the International Refugee Emergency Council, the Australian Council for Civil Liberties, and he supported refugees fleeing Europe. And um, he spent time in the Canberra Press gallery, gallery. And in the Canberra Press Gallery, he crossed links with Mr. Menzies. He was at a press conference, and he questioned Menzies. About why are you selling pig iron to Japan? They're bombing ah. China. They're killing people. Why are we selling a straight iron to Japan? Well, the impressed Mr. Murdoch, not on your nully.
0: Mr Murdoch, or Mr Menzies.
1: Both. Mr Murdoch. Well, Mr Menzies, Mr Murdoch's stroke one equals the other, and Murdoch had wind of it. So, hang on, this isn't good enough. He's one of our one of our senior journalists, and he's daring to criticise the Australian Prime Minister. Pig-iron bomb. That's right. And that's what he was called. Lockwood said pig-iron, you're selling pig-iron for Japanese. And they're bombing China. Why are we doing it in Australia? Well, Menzies wasn't impressed, less so was Murdoch. So Murdoch didn't sack his work. Cause he um he sort of, what's the word, how would you say, um he transferred them sideways in the downward yeah. direction. Like back to the same level as the cadet journalist, Back to Natamook. Back, well, not as far back, but he was sent sideways and um he wasn't impressed by this. So,
0: I wonder what um, Murdoch and Menzies thought about the, um, the, the the pig iron when the Japanese started dropping that pig iron back on us in the
1: form of bombs. Yeah. Well, by that stage, Mr Menzies was out of power, and I'm not sure Mr Murdoch would have said I'd be uh, under the censorship laws of those days. Oh, that's
0: life, I suppose.
1: Anyway, Mr Lockwood... Well, we
0: made a profit, so.
1: Rupert Lockwood left the Herald. He went elsewhere. And there's a new paper being formed Australia. It was called The Weekly and um he became a journalist for the week. It didn't last long, the weekly. It was a paper in the early the, it ran from about the outbreak of World War Two to about nineteen forty one. But the big corporations squeeze it out. You know how you hear about the free market and competition, how we all equal. The big corporations, you know, the Murdochs and the Fairfax and okay, news agents, uh, you stock this paper. Uh, we'll reduce our stocks to your news agents. We'll go elsewhere. So it, it, it's, it's the cartels, you know? So, you know, the Weekly was an independent, three thinking paper, but it fell foul, foul Fail,
2: on the big foul. big
1: newspaper barons. And by this time, Lockwood had joined the Communist Party of Australia. He'd been influenced, as I said, by the Spanish Communist Party. He'd always been a liberal. And now I thought, OK, I will join the CPA. And he was very active. And um, yeah, so his experiences of what he saw in Spain, the experiences of what happened in Australia, was for CPR was the only answer. So he spent time as I said, with the Weekly, and the Weekly was squeezed out of existence by the Murdochs and others. And uh, he fell, um, what's the word? He fell under the. He was being noticed by the Australian Circuit uh, Police as a as a person of interest. So he was trailed in that period of time. He became the editor of a Labour Party. The long gone Daily News. And he spent the next 40 plus years working for union journals, for the Communist Party. He edited the Maritime Worker, the journal of the Water Workers Federation. As I said, he was a key figure in the Royal Commission in Espionage in Australia. He was questioned by the Royal Commissioners. And um, he remained an active member of the Communist Party for a long time. But yeah, I thought, Rupert Lockwood, I mean, where do you find journalists like Rupert Lockwood nowadays, my dear? I mean, maybe nothing more, where else can you find him? Because you won't sell see him in the corporate media we read in Melbourne. And if you can't read good, you know like Rupert Lockwood, would he turn for your news? I say you turn to 3CR, 855 game AM dial. And how do you support well, you at 3CR? Well, it's it,
0: it, isn't
1: it? It's true. Look, if you can't get news from 3CR, there's no way you can get it. And to help us provide you with news listeners, we have had a big rate a and a lot of you pledge money. If if you haven't paid it. You can still pay your money now. You can pop in here, see our friendly faces at Twenty One Smith Red Fitzroy, or send money to PO Box One Two Double Seven Conwood, Three Double Six. How's that sound, my dear?
0: Pretty good. And I'd like to say also, Glenn, that this mm-hmm. um, this program this morning, this broadcast of left after breakfast this our morning. Show. yes, is as is, uh, broadcasting thanks to the Radiothon support of. Cheng Lin. Hello,
1: Cheng Lin. Good on you.
0: Thank you, Cheng Lim. Lim, I suppose. Cheng Lim,
1: sorry. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm,
0: I'm not sure if the, if the name here is Cheng Lim. Uh, I think Cheng is the family name.
1: Well, they are so supporter Lim would be the first name of community radio at 3 years. Thank you very
0: much, Lim, I'll thank you very much, Cheng.
1: And Cheng Lim is doing the role to keep us on the airways. As I said, look, you know, Mr. Rupert Lockwood for the Murdoch family all those years ago, and... Um, their paper was um, described as incredible banality, ban- banality, and is a Herald any better? It's jawless banality, you know. It's
0: a wonderful way to describe it. Well, it's actually very evil. Very evil. I see that uh, the Red Cross did a survey of an inc- a really, really good survey of uh, ten thousand subjects. Across different parts of Australia, different age groups, different socio-economic—you know, that sort of thing. Mm. So really, it was a really comprehensive survey, better than other stuff you'd see. And these, these people seem to read the Herald Sun, the Daily Hun, and I mean that quite literally, listener. The Daily Hun. What do you call it, the Hun? The Hun. I call it a scum. Well. I'm trying not to use that word, scum. I do. I think because it tastes scummy in my well, mouth. Well, but the but anyway,
1: has a, a racial aberton, too?
0: Well, I, was, I suppose it does, yes. I'm sorry. I take it back. Okay, the Herald Scum listener, the Daily Scum, um, that from this survey from the Red Cross, they discovered that almost 90% of the people surveyed, of Australians, they believed that refugees were illegal. Yep. They believed that they were illegal. Yep. And the same number of them also believed that there was an office where you went to and you put your name down, that there was a queue, that you applied to come to Australia and, and you waited your turn. Yes, and, you and they really believed this. Yep. These people believed this. No wonder it was so easy to twist their little minds into allowing death and, this, and to allow, to standing by and watching the slaughter of innocents, to yeah. watch that happening when they believe refugees are illegal and, and, and they believe that there's a queue. And where did they get
1: that from? The Murdoch media. The
0: Murdoch media.
1: I, I was reading but some. Disgusting. Uh... I was reading some Alain Badiou the other day. Alain, look, my French is dreadful. I I have no French at all, but Alain Badiou, as I pronounce my Australian accent, is a French philosopher. And he's just talking about, you know, the uh, contemporary propaganda about the media. And their role is to destroy any idea of hope amongst people, you know. What? The idea of the media is to destroy any idea of hope amongst the people. You have hope for a better vision, better options, you know. And you read a media your, your hopes are misplaced. You know, you, you can't have a better world, a freer world. It doesn't work that way. So that's the role of the media. To destroy hope, to make you think, oh, no, well, yeah, we might want, you know, more, more rights for workers. We might want more refugees, but it doesn't work that way. So, yeah, the, the media's right. So it destroys how you perceive the world. So, um, yeah, bad news, yeah. I mean... We have a real issue, but people aren't... People's access to information is so limited, and when it's negative on like the corporate media, you can't think of options beyond the parameters I said for you, unless you listen to 3CR. And again, here we are on the radio every day, 855 on your AM dial.
0: And, of course, I've just realised you mm-hmm. meant it's... Uh, it's uh, the Alain. French philosopher. Yes. Uh, Alain... Alain, well, it's Badou.
1: Badou, he okay, he's, Badiou. he's really articulate. How...
0: He is the founder of the faculty yeah. of philosophy That's at him. the University of Paris.
1: He's a very and intelligent he held man.
0: There, uh, with Michael, well, with Michel Foucault. Uh, him, and,
1: him and Foucault have huge differences. Yeah. Him and Foucault's politics are very different. But Badiou, he influences people like um, Zizek, who I read a lot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Badiou was influenced by Lacan in terms of psychoanalysis. But again, he's right. the role the corporate media to say to you, look, you can have all these hope and desires, but they're not real. So don't, don't waste your time, you know? This yeah, is the I mean, answer. Well, that
0: was because I've read, um, well, I have at home somewhere, um, his manifesto for philosophy. Yeah. I haven't read it for a long time. I should have to have it. I'll, I'll have to have a look at it again. Well, I like it, my Three he's Things good. on
1: Existence was the one. I like mm. him. I want to go, my dear. It's time for me to frog and toad. Really? The is world it? outside beckons. I'll leave you here Listeners of our, our Wonderful Susanna And I'm sure There'll be more To follow soon So here you are Listening to 3CR 855 AM doll, And we are Your only radio left And we can only Stay here by you Supporting us So if you made a pledge To the Radiothon Please pay us To keep us Your only radio left
0: thanks everyone And thank you Cheng Lim For the show This morning really
1: And I'll say In those famous words chocular Chocula,
0: Chocula.
3: Three CR radio. I you Precious friend, my home, my sweet companion, bless the road that carries you.
0: Thank you. That lovely song from Mary Black, it's beautiful, isn't it? Always brings tears to my, well, a lump to my throat. Why do we get a lump in our throat? Listen, I know that there's a a physical explanation, a very common explanation, I'm sure there is. I just don't know what it is, is get a lump in my throat. The same way we all get lumps in our throats, plural, our, our, our collective throat, when we hear the raised voices of small children singing. They all sing together, little children, like not much more than infants, and every adult goes, oh, and you get this lump in your throat. That, I know, is an absolute... I know where that begins. It begins at the thalamus very quickly because it's such an instinctive thing for the adult of the species to react to you know, the cries of an infant. And when they all sing their little voices like little angels, it it goes into overdrive. But that's just to show us, of course, that we, we are made, we have evolved to protect the young of our species. So you'd wonder sometimes, wouldn't you? Look, um, I could be opening those talkback lines very soon, listener. Uh, the bagman is in Australia, but he will not be back until next week. He's resting from his terrible... His terrible exertions in Greece, wandering around talking to people about austerity and wondering what's going to happen next. Will they be leaving the 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 the, the, the union? What will be going on? And what will be going on? I see that every, that the Greeks all over they they they're withdrawing their money from banks today, um, because the international creditors have extended their. Well, the standoffs going on to the weekend. So there's only some days left to save the country if I'm crashing out of the Eurozone. Um, well, times are running out there, isn't it? So then Athens has to sign off an agreement by Monday. Otherwise they will default on a huge international monetary fund payment on Tuesday. Well, if they move from the Eurozone they'll there's seismic effects there for the world economy. We're all sort of international now, isn't it? Well, they believe it'll be hugely painful for the country. Some people might say it's manageable, but the ordinary Greeks here and there won't find it manageable. The Greek people like you and I won't. But it's a bit... I wish I understood more of it, really. what actually... Well, it's hard for me because I can't read... In Greek, well, I can't read Greek. I don't know Greek, apart from being able to order a souvlaki. But I don't know any Greek to read. So um, I have to read things in translation. I'm never sure, I'm never really sure if the you know, translation that I'm reading is the correct one. You know what I mean when you're reading something from another language. It's best if you can read it yourself. After a while, you pick up a lot of, well, the idioms and the way, and the meaning, the inference behind a number of things. So, if any Greek reading, Greek speaking people out there can give me a quick rundown, possibly of, you know, what's going on there in Greece, it would be absolutely, well, that'd be terrific. If if you can give it to me in a bite sized sound bite, oh, Pardon my bad English. It would be even better. But look, listener, you can call call me here on nine four one nine oh one double five. That's nine four one nine oh one double five. And if you can tell me anything about um, Greece and the breakup of the eurozone meeting, if you can tell me anything more about the roadblocks and the setbacks, and if you can tell me why Greece has a Two and a half billion euro debt two and a half billion euro debt can you imagine how do you get two and a half billion euro debt unless of course you're um you're our first lady of what do we call a first lady of greed unless you're unless you are what's her face unless you are well come on listen up. you've you you've almost got a name Mount Gina that I will say good morning, of course, to Irene Balter. Good morning, Irene. Good
4: morning. <laughs> nice to see you this morning. Sorry, I'm a few minutes late. It's oh.
0: no, uh, coordinating
4: not. the trams. No, you're not. me down.
0: No, 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 you're not. You aren't late at
4: all. Oh, good. Thank you.
0: I was just wondering what the hell was going on in in Greece and how come they've got such a... Well, they've got two and a half billion euro debt. How do you get a two and a half billion euro debt?
4: Um... Because they keep lending to you, (laughs) knowing you can't pay it back, Uh, and then they impose an austerity on you that uh, dampens the economy right down, Uh, unemployment rises, nobody's got any money to spend, and it all just gets worse because they have to keep borrowing. They have to keep borrowing because they don't have any money, yes, but
0: but I see that the Greeks right at this very moment, as you and I speak, are whipping their money out of the banks. And, but I, I thought two and a half billion, I can't even imagine that money unless, of course, I were Gina Reinhardt. To see that Gina wants her employees at the Roy Hill iron ore mines, she says they have to accept pay cuts.
4: Well, she probably doesn't want to. How many billion has she got? She doesn't, she's got a, probably got a certain number of billions she doesn't want to drop below. So she's going to have to... Uh, well,
0: time's the hard. Well, she said yeah, yes. people have to tighten their belts. She'll have to tighten... Well, actually, if, if well
4: she no. <laughs> How's she going to tighten...
0: Well, them? if she got down to tightening her belt, she might be a lot bloody healthier.
4: Yes. Uh, well, that's how people are rich, though. They're rich by exploiting other Others. people. That's the only way you get rich.
0: Her so, personal, yeah. wealth, Reinhardt's personal wealth, Gina Reinhart's personal wealth... Is twice, more than twice the gross domestic product of Cambodia.
4: Yes, well, I mean, it's. 14.5
0: million people live there. She has, her wealth is 41 times more, 41 times the GDP of East Timor. Yes. Population of 13 million. She has more than the GDPs of Hawaii and somewhere in South America. I think it's Bolivia. I think she's
4: been eating it all. Well,. (laughs) But she,
0: she could buy up the 10 poorest nations in the world. She yeah. could buy them all. Yeah. And she'd still have 22 billion left over. Yes. And she could spend $1 million every month and, a, sorry, every year. A million dollars every year. And her money would last for 290,170 years, <laughs> which I don't think she wants, wants to be. You think she's been eating it? Yes. Now look. this yes. I, I don't I want
4: to get into. I, this. I shouldn't get onto that because I'll get I'll get into trouble uh, these yeah. days. But, uh, but, but still, she looks like she's been eating it. Because
0: so. we can't, you can't really pick on someone, have a go at someone because of the way they look, and um, you know.
4: Well, I don't know. We used to do it a lot, but I know it's not acceptable. But just, we shouldn't do we should it. Shouldn't. No, but what enough. gets?
0: There are a number of extremely rich people. Who really look just revolting? Well, look at Donald Trump. Well, I mean, look at, look at that, <laughs> look at Palmer, look at Clive. Well, Palmer. I was going to
4: say, look at Clyde Palmer. But the thing is that this at, is this oh. is the irony of it, that obviously Gina doesn't uh, forego anything, and yet she's talking about her poor workers having to tighten their belts. But she obviously um, engorges herself or engages herself in whatever practices that she feels like in terms of what she puts in her mouth and whether she does any exercise. So she she can do whatever she likes, but I, she wants mm. to dominate other people's lives and that's what I don't like.
0: I, I suppose if you're really, really rich, like you're super rich, you're uber rich, like you're rich to that extent where you don't even – you can't even count your bloody money, you've got so much of it, <laughs> uh, when you can buy up the ten poorest countries in the world and still be incredibly rich after that, I suppose – I mean once you've got all that you really couldn't give a stuff for what you look like you couldn't give
4: a stuff no 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 if, if, if
0: people said oh god you're ugly why don't you lose some weight why don't yeah. you exercise no you no could she afford wouldn't it. care she'd at say all. oh why should yeah, I yeah.
4: and she she'd can be as self-indulgent to- as she likes yes. she doesn't have to do I mean yeah. look at Clive Palmer well, yes, he can barely walk, actually. I saw him can, on television yeah. last night he was, and he, went, he was going off to get something to eat and I had a little chuckle to myself. He can barely walk, yes, yes in so. his really expensive suit. He can barely <laughs> walk.
0: And this is the man that still hasn't paid a $300 speeding fine. He's refused oh, really? to pay it for five years.
4: Well, how come he hasn't been taken to court?
0: Well, if I had a speeding fine, <laughs> I would have been in court. What a long about time you, again? listener? Suppose you had a speeding fine, three hundred dollars speeding fine, and you don't pay it, you're going to have him knocking on your
4: door, aren't you? Yes, but you see, this is the the rich do have certain, I suppose, uh, positive things in society for them, and they're a bit bit uh, slower, I suppose, to uh, to go and knock on Mr. Palmer's door. But um, actually, I'd love to. I'd I don't know to. how much longer you want to talk about these horrible people. But
0: do you think I've... I'm upsetting the listener by talking about these horrible people?
4: No, no, no. I've got other horrible people I wanted to mention this oh, morning. Oh, more horrible
0: people. <laughs> <laughs>
4: okay, um, the, 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 um, we can keep on going about these horrible people first. If the number listener is nine four one nine zero
0: one double five. And yes, Irene, what horrible people have you got in your sights? Well,
4: um, does Tony Abbott fit into oh. the horrible people? <laughs> I, um, I and I was thinking this morning that um, whether he he would be likely to take away citizenship from people like me who trolled on his Liberal Party um, web, uh, on his Liberal Party Facebook page. Um, and the thing that I noticed most about it is how traumatic how traumatised some people are by the thought that we're going to be invaded by the Muslim hordes any old minute um, because of what his, his uh, very successful scare campaign for some people. I'm sure the intelligent, sensible people out there in 3CR listener land uh, are not impressed by it. But the, the things that people were saying about uh, about Muslims and uh, about how they're frightened that they're going to come and take over our country. Oh, for God's sake, it, um. used to be the, it, used to, it used to be the Chinese. It did. It was the commos, the Chinese. It was the yellow peril. Yes. Uh, well, the red's under the bed, of course. Oh, yes. Uh, it was going to be Russia, or, well, uh, Soviet Union, and uh, then uh, Vietnam was going to get down here at some point with the domino principle. Um, so, yes, now it's, uh, now it's the Muslims. And uh, it really irritates me beyond belief to see the nonsense that 's going on at the moment and uh, you 'd have to think that 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 young man who's not very sensible in terms of what he's running around saying, but you can understand it in a way in that uh, if you if you prick them with uh, uh, give them a jab with a sword every now and again what what are people who are from who are Muslim um, you know and they 're not allowed to retaliate to anything. Any prov- provocation from the government in, and uh, from people who are saying that uh, all Muslims are like this and that we're frightened of Muslims—what a lot of rubbish! I mean, I come. What a lot I, of rubbish! I, I have dealings with people who are Muslim every day. I haven't had any. I don't have any problems with them at all. The only time I ever have a problem is if uh, Bashar Huli uh, has a has a go at uh, helping Richmond beat Collingwood. Oh. <laughs>
0: Well, yes, no, that is important. That's that
4: is important. A matter
0: of great significance, but, of great um, import. Though um, I wondered when I saw all this stuff going on about losing, you know, the citizenship and things. Yes. I wondered, well, they don't count me as the IRA anymore. No, They used to be a like, lot. It took me back to the 50s, early 50s when yes. I was going to school. I'd get bashed up on the way to school and bashed up on the way home yes. for going to the Catholic school. He'd be called Irish.
4: My yes. family's
0: been here since 1842. Yes. And so I'm calling you, him have it you Irish. Have you
4: assimilated yet? You no. 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 And,
0: and, no. And, and, and and I haven't because I used to get bashed about
4: Well, at least the, on the... I couldn't,
0: I couldn't get a job in the Commonwealth Public Service. No, no, no.
4: Scott. There was a lot of discrimination against yes. Catholics. Yes, but um, I
0: couldn't get a job in the Commonwealth Public Service. Mm. This is weird. I'm, this is absolutely something. I thought, well, if I lose my passport, I can be warmed by the thoughts of, you know, Magna Carta. What is it saying in <laughs> the Magna Carta? Um, something about... To no one will we sell... To no one will we... Uh, slow down any right or or, or 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 justice, no free man shall be seized or imprisoned or stripped of his rights or or yes. outlawed oh. or or exiled or deprived of his standing in the country in any way. Well, eight hundred years later what have we got we've got an Australian government wanting to do just that and on what? No evidence.
4: Well, this is the t- thing that they—they've taken away the rule of law here in just the relation Peter Dutton. to this. So it can be on somebody's word. Peter Dutton's word. Yes. Peter Dutton's. And who's, where's he going to? Who's he going to listen to? He doesn't have to listen to anyone. No, he, he can, can just, just decide. decide. Yeah. Look,
0: John mm-hmm. out there in the hills somewhere says he has an answer to the Greek debt crisis. Should we have a quick listen? Yes, because he... he
4: might need to tell them.
0: Yes, perhaps he could tell them. John. Hello. Oh God! Hello, John. Sorry, you came out very loud there. <laughs> you scared of all
2: oh, oh, right. Sorry about that. No, all right. She jumped. Yeah. Well, I think the International Monetary Fund and the other Greek creditors should accept the same standard that applies to creditors when a company, a corporation, goes bust. Yes. Was put into liquidation. Yes. That is that they they have to accept some of the risk that was involved in with that company. And they may have to accept getting back twenty cents in the dollar. Exactly. Why, why should that a different standard apply to the International Monetary Fund mm-hmm. and financial markets as applies to creditors, uh, mum and dad investors, when you lose your money in a business? That's, so yeah. I, I think really, uh, but people are being uh, held to ransom and trying to be squeezed by the big banks. They don't don't want to accept what everyone else has to accept when a a business fails or when a a country's got financial problems. So really, I think it's reluctance on their part to accept their responsibilities and, and take some of the risk with that debt problem.
4: Well, yes, and I think That's that responsibility enough. has been exacerbated by them putting so much pressure on the society in terms of uh, dampening down because of the austerity measures, uh, which well, seems to be counterproductive well, to me, um, that it's, uh, it's made it worse. Thank you, John. That was terrific. That
0: was the answer. Well, of course, my answer to it, of course, is um, Iceland. Oh, yes. Do what Iceland is.
4: Yes, Exactly. Yes. um uh, <clears throat> the other thing i was going uh, i wanted to uh i wanted to say while i was uh, talking about uh, our prime our prime minister uh i think i think he's used this tactic very very well actually because if you look at a few weeks ago we thought he wasn't going to last another 10 minutes as prime minister but if you look now that he's been uh, raving on about uh how frightened we all have to be, about the Muslim invasion. With 10 Australian and,
0: flags behind him.
4: Yeah, yes, exactly. So <laughs> so it looks a bit... I won't, I won't mention any uh, any names of what it looks like, but uh, it's certainly hyper-nationalism, isn't it? And it's dangerous. Um, and uh, I think that people need to think very carefully and sensibly about this. I mean... Uh, it was the, it was Australia and United States and Britain who went over and started in Iraq and the countries in the Middle East and absolutely totally disrupted them and opened it up for this sort of thing to happen. But it's over there. I mean, is ISIS going to come down here to Australia on a big boat and uh, attack us? No, they're not. It's just silly, and um, people need to use common sense about this. And I'm pretty tired of him. I mean, I've come back from Spain and I'm thinking I might. I should go back just to get away from it, but uh, I think I might stay here and have a fight about it. Yes, it's pretty. It's pretty <laughs> it's, damn
0: scary, isn't Well, it? taking
4: taking people's citizenship away on on with no evidence is a terrible thing. On 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 a whim. Yes.
0: Yes. I wonder if you remember. I can't remember. But look, look, um, and listen, maybe you'll remember. If say so, you can give us a ring on nine four one nine o one double five. There was a young man. Um, An Australian young man. I believe he was born here or he'd been here since he was two years old or younger from one of those countries in the former Federation of Yugoslavia. Oh,
4: okay. Now, he
0: was a bit of a thug. In fact, let's be real here, he was a thug. Yes. He was um, not a very nice person. He was a petty quim, stand over, push around, assaults. um, I think he held up with, you know, theft with like armed robberies. He wasn't a very nice chap. He was deported back to this country that he didn't know.
4: Yes, that's right. He, the language he
0: he, he had he no. Never lived there. He couldn't speak the yeah. language. Yeah. He had no sort of status there at all because no. they didn't know him. They didn't want him. He wasn't theirs. He'd yeah. been in his. I think he was either born in Australia or left that country on his parents' passport because he was. Yes,
4: I think he was very young when he came, but his whole, pretty much all of it nearly all of his life had been here, so he didn't know anything about over. It was like, you know, me being sent over there. Yeah, I I mean, so what what ever happened to him? Well, I don't know. Someone must know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the poor thing. He's still sitting
0: outside the Australian. Embassy crying as the last time we heard. Poor thing. Poor. I mean, okay, it, he's a thug, but come on.
4: But it's just ridiculous to to do this because, and and with this uh, young fellow on Q and A the other night, um, he's he's probably being followed by ASIO every minute of his life. In any event, he's hardly a big threat to us at this point. He spoke out about um, something that people might disagree with, but so what. Well, there's plenty of people around that I disagree with, uh, but I don't want, their, want them to be... It's quite a lot, actually, but I don't want them sent out of Australia and have their citizenship taken away, or I don't want, uh, you know, the ABC to uh, uh, to be sold off or closed down because uh, Mr Abbott doesn't like what he said. Uh, on, on, on a whim. On a whim. and Well, because it helps him stir up this fear and trembling amongst the population about, uh, we've got these horrible people who chop people's heads off and this is one of them who's got the potential to do that and what are we going to do and we've got to keep them out from coming back. I mean, even keeping little children and I I read in the paper and I've forgotten which politician it was who said that, um, well, you know, we can't have the children back either because, uh, uh, you know, because of what they might do. Well, you know, really there's ways of dealing with that with children and it's cruel and heartless and uh, I'm pretty much over it. And, and I'd like, uh, uh, and I hope 3CR doesn't uh, get closed down by Mr. Abbott because totally my...
0: against any law. It's disgusting. All law.
4: It's disgusting, and uh, uh, I, I just can't believe that we've come to this. Frankly, um, I mean, we've had we've had our moments of panic before, and uh, when we're going to be invaded by, as you've said, China or whoever. Yes, I remember mean, growing
0: up with the Yellow Peril. Yes.
4: And, uh, and all
0: I've got left for now is a bit of sculpture, like a bit of squeezed toothpaste tube, <laughs> that's been moved four times around the city. It's now on the banks of the Arid, and you can't find it.
4: Oh yes, the yellow peril, the
0: yellow, but you can't find yes. it anywhere.
4: I, I have seen it.
0: I have well, seen it was it. in Burke Street. It's, it was. Yes, down no, now it's down. It's down, um, down on the river. Yes, somewhere.
4: Yes, um, yes. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff, and. Uh, I just think that if people fall for it, um, I I fear for, first of all, our education. I'm not going to blame any teachers or anything, but I just
0: fear for... education's been under attack for a long time. Yes,
4: I'm not going to attack teachers or anything, but I I just fear for perhaps people's ability to think. Uh, Some people are so gullible and uh, they just accept what's said rather than thinking about it it's in the water i
0: really think there's something in the water i've been saying for a number of years there's something in the water and i've been sort of sort of joking really but now i mean it there is definitely something in the water um and also it's in what people eat
4: really
0: something in the sugar something in one of those
4: but i eat all i I drink water and i some
0: well, but you're right because you aren't doing the other stuff. You know that when you look at the back of a product, product, it's got all those numbers on it. N twenty three. Oh, all those, all 60, those things. Yeah. There be sugar and and stuff. You know who. Yes. Know uh, all the Yeah. Those bloody genetically modified foods. Yes. But there's something in there, some chemical in there that just makes people stupid.
4: <laughs> well, uh, I've been trying to work out because uh, when I was looking on the liberal Facebook side. It was almost hilarious to see what people were writing and you think, do they really believe this? I mean, Are they it's... really
0: so stupid? <laughs> yes. Listen, I'll, we'll have a, a quick chat with Gary, who's down in Litley and Gatha. Good morning, Gary. But look, it's time for us to go... Can
4: I say welcome back, Bagman and uh, Anne?
0: Well, yes, welcome back. And I was, I was hoping he'd be able to tell us something a bit more about, you know, what's been going on in Greece. Not a problem. <laughs> Well, not to um, worry, we'll, we'll be back next, um,
2: next, I'm
0: so sometime. sorry. Listen, uh, we'll be if,
2: back uh, soon. We'll, 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 Mr
4: Abbott hasn't uh, taken uh, taken you off air. No, we'll uh, be back next week. that will be ramblings. fantastic,
0: yes. So we'll <laughs> see you next week.
4: Bye.